All right, hey, I want to start a series of thoughts, a brand new series of thoughts this morning uh, entitled In Christ. This is really one of my favorite things to teach. Uh, I've taught it a couple different times through, through the course of the last 25, 30 years. Uh, in Christ, we're, we're going to take today part one and kind of do an introductory teaching, kind of walking through some of the New Testament truths. We're going to uh, look at a lot of scripture and look at the idea of what it means to be in Christ, Okay. We're going to be going over more specifics next week. Like next week, we're going to look at uh, completing Christ. If you want to kind of read ahead and stay ahead, get into Colossians. Read Colossians next week if you can. I'll remind you at the end of the sermon. Read Colossians. It is really, really good. Four little chapters, but power, power packed about who we are in Christ. All right? So the New Testament reveals two ways of viewing our relationship with Christ. It, reviews, it, it gives us a lot of different ways, but two main ones that I like to, to capture. One is the idea of Christ in you, that when you receive Christ, that He comes in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He comes into you. And we kind of use some of the language with some of the, the songs, especially the children's songs and things like that, like, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. We say that kind of thing and ask uh, people to ask Jesus into their heart. That's certainly right. But there's, there's another way that the New Testament seems to look at it. It's a little bit, little bit different. It's actually opposite. It's not that Christ just comes into you. It's that you come into Christ. Is that you are in Christ. Literally, get, get the idea. Just like you stepped through those doors from that room over there, from the foyer, and you stepped into this room. That's the idea of coming to Christ is that you literally step into a whole new way, a whole new realm, and literally you step into Him. It's, it's like stepping into this room. You, you take a step of faith. We say those kind of things, don't we? You take a step of faith and you literally, not only does Christ come in you, but you step into Christ. In fact, there's other language like that. It says several places in the New Testament that to put on Christ, those kind of things, put on the armor of God, which really when you go through the armor of God, that's really Christ, all the things he's provided for us. All right, so let's, let's look at this idea of in Christ. What, is, what does that have to do with us? And I want to just get some footing and firm foundation in this idea. Salvation is always seen as a relationship with Jesus Christ. The idea of salvation in Scripture is, is not just the forgiveness of sins. It starts there. But it's also the wholeness of life and all the benefits of the covenant and the things that God has prepared for us. That when we step into those things, you know, we're saved, we're being saved, and we shall be saved is the way Paul words it in Philippians. That this, this idea of this, there's a work that's finished, there's a work that's continual, and there's a work that will be completed when I'm glorified in Christ. So salvation is seen as this idea of a relationship. Now, salvation is not believing a set of teachings or doctrines or church tenets or, or statements of faith. It's not believing all of that or belonging to a particular organization or church. Salvation is not seen as that. Salvation is seen as having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's salvation in no other. No other name, no other thing, nothing. Salvation is found in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? The call from Jesus... As he calls us into this work of salvation, the call of Jesus is simply this. Follow me. Everybody say it with me. Follow me. See that relationship idea is that when we're coming into salvation and we come into relationship with Jesus, that's the same thing. In fact, his name is salvation. It means salvation. Follow me. So it's follow me from Jesus' lips instead of it's not follow this 
There's a lot of thises in this world. of People saying you should do this or keep this set of rules and legalisms and things of that nature. That's religion. All capsulized in one phrase. They all say follow this. If you do this, you're okay. Jesus says if you follow me, you're okay. There's a big difference in that. You know what I'm talking about? Hmm. All right. Let, let's keep going in that direction. The idea of follow me. If we, we took time with the insights of Scripture through the Gospels, every person that we have that Jesus called, especially the 12, every account that we have, just a few of them, Jesus says to the 12 to follow me. Remember, one of the famous lines is, he said to the fishermen, he said, follow me and now I will make you fishers of men. And the idea of the transformation is in the following, in the following of Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus. What does it mean? Let, let, let's hear some things out of his mouth. Let's go over to Matthew 16, 24. Let, let's hear what he says, the idea of, that he has of it. Because we, we have a cultural understanding and maybe a church understanding, but let's, let's hear from his lips what it means. Jesus said to his disciples, if any desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That's, that's the hard part, right? Take up his cross. That's, that's kind of tough too. And follow me. So in Jesus' mind, if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to stop following you. If you're going to make him your leader, you're going to have to stop being your own leader. You see that idea? You're going to have to deny yourself. Now, that's, that's very difficult. If you don't believe how difficult that is, just try to take a day or two of fasting and just deny yourself of what it wants. Your body's going to scream and holler and kick and all kinds of stuff on it. It just does. But Jesus says, we both can't lead this thing. We both can't lead your life. You can't go your way and my way. You're going to have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Okay? So this idea of following. Over in John 27. Wow, we got to get your fingers loose if you're going, or your phone ready because we're going to look at several passages now. John 10, 27, that's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. You ought to go read it. It starts talking about Jesus being the door, the sheepfold, and Jesus being the good shepherd. In verse 27, it says this, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to... Well, I, I copied the wrong one here. Who's got John 10, 27? Anybody got that real quick? Look it up. Well, I can look it up right here. All right, we can, I got the Bible on digital. We can look it all up. What was that passage, John 10, 27? I'm sorry, I, wrote, I copied the wrong one down. He says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's the idea of shepherd-sheep relationship, this idea. But the salvation and the protection and the blessing is in the following. It's this dynamic relationship. You get pictures of people following each other, maybe in vehicles. They're going to the same place. Jesus says, I got a destination in mind. I need you to hook in with me and follow me. Now, when we get in the book of Genesis, the idea of following God, remember Adam walked with God, it says in Genesis. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. The best part of the day. The, the day that just absolutely refreshes your soul and just being outside. God met him right there, and they walked together. And I would even say, Adam learned to follow God. It's this idea of walking. All right, let me get back to my, my deal here. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? If somebody asked you that question, what would you say? I'll say drop 
that God loves us. That's really good. That's good. What, what would you say? I mean, because that's, that's, that's really what's on a lot of people's minds is, is the how. What, what's this going to cost me? What, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Help me out. Talk to me a little bit. I got some notes here. If your mind goes blank, but talk to me. Ain't nobody but us and 18 million people on Facebook, but it's all right. <laughs> I wish it was that many. <laughs> what does it mean to follow Jesus? What, what, what would you say to somebody if they come and, and called us on all of our church language and says, okay, you're a follower of Jesus, tell me what that's all about. What does that mean? Help me out. He's in love with people. That's good. Thank you, Santa. Me and Anna are going to have a conversation over here. It's going to be good. <laughs> what would you do to, to, to kind of unmask all the church language? What would you say to somebody? Because hopefully we're trying to lead people in this direction. And instead of speaking all of our church language, sometimes they need it broke down a little bit different. You know what I mean? What would you say? We got plenty of time. Restaurant ain't but a mile down the road. Or not even that. We're good. What would you say? Feeling safe. Safe? Come into salvation? What does it mean to follow Jesus? First thing that comes to my mind is to go where he is. To go where he is? That's good. To follow what God tells us to do? Thank you, Anna. You get three stars today. <laughs> You're doing real good. <laughs> How about this? I'll help you out a little bit. You keep thinking about these things because we, we really need to find ways to communicate this idea because this is what people need. See, Jesus is the king that everybody needs. He's really the king that everybody wants. The Old Testament calls him the desire of all nations. The problem is they just don't know it yet. And guess whose job it is to help them know what they don't know so that they can come into what they don't know yet and they can know what we know. How, how many knows whose job that is? I can't say that again, but that was pretty good. <laughs> it's our job to help bring them into that knowledge, this kingdom knowledge that we're walking in and enjoying and growing in and trying to understand more. How, how about this idea? It's, it's to believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised on the third day. That would be just kind of the, the, the raw gospel right there. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was raised on the third day. How about this idea? The following Jesus means to trust Jesus for your forgiveness and for your salvation. I, I like it like this. Somebody once said, to trust Jesus, we trust Him the same way somebody who's jumping out of an airplane at 10,000 feet would trust their parachute. They're going to cling onto that thing and trust it with their very life, right? So we trust Jesus for His forgiveness and His salvation. How about this idea? To walk with Him. To walk with Him on a daily basis, every single day. See, salvation is not seen in the Scriptures as a transaction. Like somebody just comes to the altar and prays a prayer and says a few words and then they just go back to do their thing again. It's never seen like that, even though we, we fill our churches with people who have those kind of mentalities or we, we train them in that way. It's not, it's not the way it's portrayed in Scripture. It's not seen as a contract. It's seen as a, a covenantal relationship. To where we learn to walk with Jesus every single day. In fact, it, we, we learn as believers, in, instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. We say, good morning, Lord. You know, those kind of things. We learn that this everyday stuff, 
from my working life to my, my, my professional life to my, my play life to all kinds of things, whatever it might be, my family, all the things I have encompassed. It is a daily walk. And about 15 songs just kind of come to mind. How about you hear the Walking Jesus songs? You hear that? Mm -hmm. I'll spare you, but I, I, I want to sing them. How about the idea of following Jesus is to submit to him like, like the sheep-shepherd relationship. That, that's really in the scriptures over and over, Old New Testament, over and over, this idea that he is our shepherd, he is our leader. So to follow Jesus means to make him the leader or the head of your life. Now, if you were to make somebody the head over your life, that means that they become your authority. That means they become the, your, your go-to person. They become the person that you're accountable to, that you trust with even the most personal details of your life. That's your leader. How about this idea? To have the intent of becoming like Jesus. Now, that's a tall order, isn't it? That when I come into this relationship and Jesus calls me to follow him, in his mind, it's not just that you get a ticket to heaven, thank God for that part, but it's that in his mind, he calls us because he has intent on you, I mean you, becoming like him. How would Jesus do your job? How would Jesus raise your kids? How would Jesus run your household? How would Jesus run your life if he were you? That's what he intends on you doing. That's what he intends on me doing. And how about this last idea? And we could go on and on with others probably. How about this idea? To make Jesus your teacher and simply do what he says. You know? So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, let's know what Jesus says over in John 3. Another one of my favorite chapters. Of course, you can pull any chapter in John, probably be my favorite, to be honest with you. You can pull any chapter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them. It'd probably be my favorite. <laughs> John 3. Now, this is a conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Several conversations we have in the Scriptures. And, and always know that whenever it's a conversation... The scripture is showing us how Jesus addresses the human heart and the human questions. All the dilemmas we have. So he, he's probing into this man's heart and listen to what Jesus says about the relationship. Now in this conversation, the most famous verse in this conversation is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus says that first to Nicodemus. Okay? So this has been a real powerful conversation that has been ca captured in scripture for all the church. It shaped a lot of our lives, this conversation right here. Okay? And there's also another famous part. Listen to this. In verse 3. John 3, 3. 4 and 5. Jesus answers Nicodemus and he says to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can you be reborn? Can, can you enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, that's kind of a logical question if you're thinking in physical terms, and that's where Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was supposed to be a spiritual man. I mean, he, he was a teacher and leader of, of Israel. But he's only thinking on a physical plane, on the natural plane. And when spiritual leaders think only on natural planes then they end up off in a ditch somewhere and they can't quite grasp what God's doing. And Jesus says, 
He says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Isn't it amazing that he's talking to one of the most religious people of his society? And he says, what needs to happen in you, Nicodemus, I know, I know you got all the scripture down. I know you got the rules down. You're a pretty good man, actually. But what needs to happen in your life, you're missing something, Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Now, if you're a prominent man and you're well studied and you think you're pretty close to God and you're leading people close to God and a man comes on the scene and says, your problem is you don't quite get it. You don't see what really needs to be seen. You can do one of two things. You, you can kick back and say, how dare you talk to me that way? Do you know who I am? Or you can say, tell me more. What are you talking about? Teach me. Nicodemus seems to stay humble through most of this. Jesus says there's something you don't see, Nicodemus. You see natural things. You see people. But something you don't see is the kingdom of God. That something supernatural has to happen in everybody's life. We call it the experience of being born again or born from above. You've heard that before? You must be born again. That comes out of this idea. But when you're born again, just like you come from, from one reality of your mother's womb and you come into a whole new reality, birthed right there in the hospital room, your eyes are opened up to a whole new world. Right? Same thing happens spiritually is that when we're born from above, when we're born again, born a second time, a whole new reality opens up. We see a new kingdom. Now, when I, when I think about kingdom now, I, I, don't, I don't know what you watch these kind of things, but I like to watch these documentaries of these old places and like going over to England and Ireland and seeing them old castles and all that kind of stuff. Anybody ever watch that kind of stuff? I mean, it just... It's, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Lily says it's boring. Daddy, what are you watching that stuff for? I, I love it. I love it. But, but in days gone by, there was more of the idea of kingdom. In, in, in Nicodemus' day, there was more of the idea of kingdom. And I, I like to think about Camelot. You ever follow those King Arthur things and all that kind of stuff? The idea of, of Camelot. The idea is that you can see a kingdom, and in that kingdom is everything that you'll ever need, is every blessing you'll ever need. It's not free from trouble. There's still trouble that's going to be in this life, but you have everything that you need to handle everything that comes in that kingdom. And Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Ron, you, you need to be born again so that you can see a reality that's veiled to the natural eye. Hmm. And then verse number five, he says this, in answer to Nicodemus' natural response, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of debate on what that is about born of water and the Spirit. If that's born of water as being naturally born, like physically born, it's very possible it's that. Born of water and then born from the Spirit of God, that supernatural rebirth and, and new birth kind of thing. Being born again. It could be the idea of being born of water in the waters of baptism or the waters, you know, of repentance, so to speak. It could be even one of those ideas. It may even shape up to be all of it, really. But Jesus says this supernatural experience has to happen for you to be able to enter into this kingdom. 
Now think about, the, again, the picture of, of like a Camelot. The, 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 something that's there, there's a, there's a good king there, there's good things there, there's good provision, there's peace in those walls. There's safety in those walls. And you need to get in there in order to get everything you need. How do you get in? It's fortified. It's locked up. How do you get in? Here it is. Jesus comes on the scene. It's absolutely radical. I mean, this is a radical conversation he's having with Nicodemus. All the teachings in the Gospels, radical. All, all the things we hear Jesus say are absolutely radical to everybody that hears. Jesus comes in Matthew 4, 17, and he says this. This is his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This kingdom that has everything that you need, it has now come close to you, and it's time for you to change the way you think about life and how you do life. Repent, because this kingdom has come close to you, because Jesus is saying the kingdom's come close, because actually I'm the king of this kingdom, and I'm bringing this kingdom right in access to you. That's pretty radical now. And Jesus was laying it out and promising and inviting ordinary people and the Nicodemuses of life. He was inviting all people to come and be a part of this kingdom, to come into this kingdom where all of God's blessings and all of God's provision for time and eternity are in this kingdom. Jesus says, I, as the king of this kingdom, want to invite you in. Okay? Everybody tracking with me? All right. So Jesus says that if you come into relationship with me, listen to this now. If you come into relationship with me, then what's mine is yours. Woo! Now think about that. I mean, he's the king of this grand kingdom of God that is the source of all blessing and all goodness. He's the king of it. And he says, if you will come into relationship with me, I will, I will help you understand and, and be equipped with everything that's mine. I'll give it to you. All the blessing that's mine, the favor that's mine, all of it, all that I paid for, everything that I have, what's mine is yours. Let me say it like this again. Go back over into John 10 again. John 10, verse 7 through 9, Jesus says this. This is a summary of it. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door to the sheepfold of God. Let me put it in our language right here for the kingdom language. Jesus says, I am the door to this kingdom that pertains to everything for time and eternity, every blessing that God would have under his heaven. I am the way into it. You hear me? You can't come up the walls. Those are thieves and robbers. You can't come up the wall. You got to come in through the gate or through the door. And Jesus says, I am the way in. So let, let's review before we move, move forward. Make sure you, you're catching me here because I know this kind of line on line type stuff. You accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. Okay? Track with me though. You enter into that relationship with Jesus and you are born again. You, you become a brand new person. You got brand new eyes now. You see a whole new reality in the kingdom of God. You enter into the kingdom. In fact, that's what we ought to say to people when they're born again. Not, not just hug their neck. Look at them and say, welcome to the kingdom. I like that idea. 
Welcome to this kingdom. Because, th- th- see, that's the idea that I'm, 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 I'm not just getting out of hell. Thank God for that part. But I'm stepping into a whole new life. Amen. A whole new kingdom. This, this whole new idea. You're born again and you become a citizen of that kingdom. Now here's our, our, our verbiage again. He comes into you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Scripture says. And you come into Him. I, I, I can't picture it any other way. It's kind of mystical, but, but I see it. I see Him kind of standing in front of me, and I just... It's like one of them sci-fi movies or something like that. I just step right into Him. Because you know every superhero needs a suit, don't they? And what you got is a Jesus suit, for real. I mean, that's kind of the way the, the picture's painting, being painted for us, is that he comes into me, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and somebody says, how can I know I'm saved? You want to tell me that the God of the universe said he'll come live with you and you won't know he's living in there? Uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. You're going to know it. I wish you got questions, things to understand, grow into, but if he comes in, I'm not talking about you pray a little prayer and you do a little religious thing. I'm talking about if he comes in, you're going to know it, baby. It's going to change everything. But not only does he come into me, but I come into him. I come into Christ. Literally. And now, the two of us, Jesus and myself, we become one. The two become one. Now, where do we use that language? We use that language in marriage to describe marriage from Genesis chapter 2. The two shall become one flesh. Well, literally, that's what happens to you in a mystical, spiritual way that you and Jesus, when you're born again, become one. Hmm. Your life is His. In fact, that's what we, we say. Come give your life to Jesus. We say those kind of things, don't we? But you know what the better part of the deal is? <laughs> he gives his life to you. That's the better part of the deal that we don't talk enough about. Is that now it's not only what I give to him. Hey, that's wonderful and it's worship and it's necessary. But what's glorious in this covenant that I have. He gives his life to me and he says, I invite you into this kingdom and whatever is mine is yours. Ephesians 2. I'll calm down. Let's get some more text on it. More scripture. Ephesians 2, 4. Again, the book of Ephesians. It's my favorite. It's wonderful. <laughs> it really is. Huh? I got a bunch of favorites. Don't y'all have a bunch of favorites? I do. Mm-hmm. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank you, Lord, because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse number 6. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's just stop right there for that second. Back up to verse number 5 again, Ashley. He made us alive together with Christ. Okay, see that that union again? That we get His life. He makes us alive together. 
there's this, this way of looking at the resurrection and this idea of being born again is that when Jesus was resurrected, I was resurrected too. I mean, it happened 2,000 years ago, but it was so uh, encompassing of what God's plan and purposes were that when Jesus was resurrected, it made way for all of us who come to faith to be resurrected in spirit as well. You hear what I'm talking about? So He made us alive with Christ. He, he raised us up together. Verse number 6. He raised us up together. He raised us up together with Christ. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're, we're seated together. He's, he's positioned as the Son of God. And now, beloved, He makes us sons of God. It's out there now. And Jesus right now, He's seated on His throne. And that's, that's kind of the picture that Jesus is seated on His throne in authority. He says, come, come over here and sit with me. All this stuff about you got a cabin on the other side of glory on a hill. I, I don't want no cabin. I'm going to sit beside him. That's what he said I could do. We're seated with him. <laughs> Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So it's all in Christ. It's all in Christ. And when I step into Christ, I come into all those blessings. And there's a, a ton more. Okay? Let's, let's end it with this. We'll pick up the rest next week. So when I come into Christ, I give Him my life. He gives me my, His life. Okay? There's this great exchange that happens. It's a supernatural thing. And, and, and you know what? You're going to spend the rest of your life walking out everything that he did to you in that moment. Understanding it, learning it more, growing in it more. But he does it all like that. It just takes us a lifetime to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? It really does. Now listen to this. When I step into Christ, that great exchange happens. Listen to some of this. My sin for his righteousness. That's a pretty good trait. That I literally give him my sin. I come to the table with something, but it's not real good. I give him my sin and the, listen, the righteousness of Christ Jesus who sinned not. He did not sin in anything that he did. He was so right with God in everything he thought about, everything he focused on, every act that he ever committed, every reaction he had to people. He was right in everything he did, and he got rewarded for that righteousness. That reward that he got for that righteousness, when we begin to follow him, he says, I'm going to let you in on what I got. You hear me? My sin for his rightness. That's a good trait. My shame, which was brought on by the sin. My shame for his glory. My guilt, which was another product of sin. My guilt for his forgiveness. And he literally, the picture is that he washes us clean. He washes all that sin, all that shame, all that guilt. He literally washes it off and says, I'll give you my ability to forgive 
It's over. It's gone. That's a great trade. And in fact, some of that is an ongoing work too. He says, continually walk in that forgiveness. I know you don't always do things perfect. Continue in that thing. Continue this idea that I will cleanse you. My poverty for his riches. The scripture, when it talks about his riches, it says the exceeding greatness of his riches. That's, that's just a, a way of saying that's a whole, whole lot. He's a really rich dude. What, what, what kind of riches? Is that gold and silver? Well, not necessarily. It, it might be. I don't know what his plan and purpose is. But that's all the riches of God's kingdom, all the riches of his joy and his peace and the righteousness that's there, all the riches of his kingdom. He says, I know you can't afford a thing in here. And, and actually, it's not for sale. <laughs> but I'll take you as a poor person, as a poor man or poor woman, I will take you and make you rich. My death for his life. That's a pretty good chain. When I come into him, he gets what I've got coming. It's death. Well, that's why the cross had to happen, really. My death for his life. And there's many, many more, but let's, let's wrap it with this. My chaos for his peace. All of my anxieties and all the chaos in my mind and my soul, all the things chattering around, all the spaghetti that's in my head, I can trade that out for his perfect peace. I'd recommend you do that. Now, kind of what all I wanted to do this morning was kind of give you an introduction to this idea. The scripture shows us in the New Testament that this idea of us becoming followers of Jesus is that we literally, we step into Christ. We don't have to lose the picture of him coming into us. That's going to be one of the lessons on down the road for the next few weeks. He comes into our lives, helps us tremendously. But the bountiful blessings of the kingdom come when we step into his life, into him. And, and the apostle would say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. It may be a little something you can do. You may not be into this kind of thing, but if, if you are, it, it might help you. I'd, I'd do it. I do it sometimes before I come preach or do things like that. I just kind of, you know, you know how you put on, I got this long overcoat that goes to the ground. You know, I look like a crime boss when I put it on. You know, it's like a big old, big old, I got this big old black coat and I put it on. You know, I take that thing and I have to kind of heave it over my shoulders, you know, kind of like that. It's kind of like, well, I kind of do that sometimes with, with Jesus. I, I know I got to go do something. I, I mean, I'm always with him. He's always with me. But for me to really grasp and become more aware of this reality, I just go, come on, Jesus, let's go. Put him on. Just put him on. Put, put, put on. You know, put on that armor. You know, physically go through that idea. Put it on. Put it on. Put on every piece if you need to. Put it on. Put on the Lord Jesus. See, you put off yourself, the scripture says, and you put on him. You don't have to act it out. I ain't going to get you to doing all that kind of calisthenics and stuff. But maybe think about that. Maybe to bring this to reality and get your mind off of the natural plane to where we live at the most and get it in the supernatural plane said, my life is hidden with God in Christ. I'm putting you on, Jesus. Come on. And honey, that is your Superman suit. He is 
everything that we need. Amen. Step in to him. Amen. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to grasp these things, Lord. These, these are covenant benefits that you have provided through your death, burial, and resurrection. These are wonderful things that you've already, you've already purchased all of them, Lord. We don't have to go forward and, and, and earn any of it. You've purchased every bit of this and much, much more. So, Lord, help us not to live in the poverty of just who we are. Help us to live in the glorious reality and riches of who you are. Take us to a new place in you, Lord. Give us eyes to see your kingdom. Help us to enter into it and enjoy you and everything you provided. Help us, Lord.